Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Prior to taking possession of the promised good land, God's people were commanded to fully and absolutely drive out the pagan tribes from that land. Failure to do so would result in the people sharing in the sins of these pagan occupants. History clearly shows that this ultimately was the case. These pagan enemies became the source of the sin of God's people Israel. What is the source of our sin? And how does the Lord command us to deal with this source? We can learn a lot about ourselves by following the story of God's people Israel in the pages of Exodus. This is Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. And today we once again bring you portions of his spoken ministry from the book of Exodus in a message given in 1980. Ron Kangas was there for that message, and he's back with us again today as we're continuing to look at the Lord's instructions to Israel for possessing the good land. Welcome back, Ron. I'm glad to be back to help fellowship with a message which experientially is quite weighty and in a sense deep because it focuses on the natural life and what the natural life really is in the sight of God, and what a frustration it is to gaining the all-inclusive Christ. Well, as we've seen in so much of the book of Exodus, these Old Testament stories are really all pictures of things that have a very real and current New Testament relevance in our experience, and that's where we're at today in Exodus chapter 23. It deals in part with the Lord's command to the children of Israel to drive these pagan tribes completely out of their land. Let me read a few of these verses, Ron. This is Exodus chapter 23, beginning at verse 31. And I will set your border from the Red Sea even to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out from before you. You shall make no covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. I think before we conclude today, Ron, we'll all be impressed with the strong feeling that accompanies the Lord's word here. Can you give us a quick introduction? Let's begin with the historical fact. The children of Israel, when they were taking possession of the land, were charged to dispossess the present occupants. And those occupants were grossly and despicably evil in the sight of God. And Israel was charged to take over the land little by little, lest the wild beasts come in and uh, take advantage of the vacancy created by extermination without occupation. The point is that Israel was to possess the land little by little, gradually dispossessing 
the pagan tribes, making no covenant with them, lest they sin against God and uh, be in a grievous situation. Now, this is a life study, so we're interested in not only the life application, but the spiritual significance of this. The good land is a type of the all-inclusive Christ. The tribes signify the natural life, which is in league with the demons and the devil and so many violently negative forces. So for us today, we're not driving out tribes. Rather, we are dealing with the natural life, little by little, through the cross, according to our growth in the Lord, so that we can gain and possess more of the all-inclusive Christ signified by the land of Canaan. Well, as we uh, saw in these verses, the Lord's command to Israel was very definite, very direct. Their ability to carry it out, unfortunately, was not so clear and direct. And that is going to be the source of a big problem, as we'll see as we join Witness Lee. The pagan tribes are the source of Israel's sin when they lived in the Golan. And history testified this. When the Israel lived in the Goland, all their sins came from the pagan tribes. We can tell and we can testify, all our sins came from what source? From our natural life. The natural life is the source of our sin. Whatever your sin, hatred, jealousy, our memory, reasoning, whatever, some sins are very gross, some sins are very fine, some sins are even cultural, and sometimes you lose your temper in a cultural way. Many general managers, business directors, they lose their temper in a cultural way. They lose their temper, yet they are so nice, so refined. When you get into society, all kinds of masks are there. They lie to you in a very truthful way. Many times the husbands speak lies to the wives by speaking the truth. Well, these are sins. All kinds of sins. From where? From what source? The natural life. In God's eyes, they're saints. All the natural people are sinning. Even they give alms. Donation to others, they're sinning. They're giving. It's a kind of sinning. The natural life is the source of sin among God's people. The natural life puts out a lot of things. These are frustrations to us from taking possession of Christ, from enjoying Christ. So we must hate the natural life. We must drive the natural life out. Without growth, impossible. You must have the growth. So here he says, make no covenant with them. What is today's covenant? That is your compromise. When you are compromising with your natural life, that is to make a kind of covenant with your natural life. To get rid of 
the natural life is not so easy. So eventually, we compromise. The children of Israel, it was not so easy for them to drive out the pagan tribes. Then they made covenant with them. To compromise with the natural life is to tolerate. Don't tolerate any aspect of the natural life. Whether you are able to drive it out or not now, you have to hate it. Try the best to drive it out. Ron, the more that we continue on in the Christian life, if we're serious at all with the Lord, we soon begin to realize that our natural life is the source of most of the subtle sins and much of our frustration and problems. And as Israel was struggling with the pagan tribes, they were inclined to accommodate and compromise, even in the face of God forbidding them to do so. This is very familiar to most of us, I think. How can we keep from compromising and accommodating what God hates? Before I try to respond to that question, let me say at the outset that we do, in fact, compromise and accommodate. If we don't acknowledge this, then we have no way to be enlightened and helped by the ministry at this particular juncture. There is just in our nature a tendency to go so far with the Lord and then somehow work out a compromise with certain aspects of the natural life. And many believers have done this, and they never got over it. And from that point on, there's no spiritual progress. They may know the Bible more, and they may have certain kind of outward experiences, but in terms of genuine spiritual progress, it stopped. So having said that, let's consider how can we keep from compromising and accommodating what God hates. I would propose two matters here. One is we have to have a real vision and spiritual understanding of the natural life. We have to see it as God sees it. Our human life, of course, was created good by God, but it's been contaminated by sin, and it's in union with the evil powers. It's the source of all sin. If we see this, even partially, we will be motivated to break any compromise with it. And the second matter, and this is much more important than the first, because it's related to Christ. If we have some kind of spiritual understanding of the all-inclusiveness of Christ, then we will want to, like Paul in Philippians 3, gain this Christ and count all things loss in order to gain Christ. The key is spiritual vision on the negative side of the natural life, on the positive side of the all-inclusive Christ. But if we don't have much spiritual understanding or knowledge, either of the natural life or of the all-inclusive Christ, then by default we will accommodate and we will compromise. Maybe, like some, we'll be able to tell over and over again the story of how we experienced Christ as the Passover lamb on the day we were saved. And honestly, that's what all that many believers can do. Some may advance to say that I've been feeding on the Lord and he is my manna, and that's precious. But where are the actual testimonies, experiential testimonies, 
of how I gained and enjoyed and experienced Christ in his all-inclusiveness. This is quite crucial. This is a great burden in this ministry. And this message with this supplementary fellowship is pointing out we have to deal with the tribes. That is, we have to deal by the cross with the natural life. We must stop compromising, stop accommodating, and start exterminating through the cross and start possessing through the Spirit this wonderful Christ. Ron, to have any vision at all regarding the natural life, we really need the Lord shining. It's not an easy thing to see sometimes because it's so well camouflaged with either our own goodness or even many times religious goodness, isn't it? We definitely need the Lord shining through the Word, and we need somewhat of a history with the Lord that would qualify us to have this kind of realization. If we don't go on, if we don't progress, if we don't grow, there's no way that we can even get this light. So we need to go on and pursue the Lord. Eventually, he will realize we're coming to the stage where he wants to bring us into the enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. And for that, he must deal along with us with the frustration, the natural life. And we hope that this word that we're presenting in this broadcast in particular would be blessed by the Spirit and become a light to those believers that have a turned and open heart and who really mean business with the Lord and who want to grow to maturity, not after, but before they meet the Lord. Well, typically this ministry stresses very much not what we need to do, but what God wants to do and desires to do in us. There is a vital component, however, that does involve us directly, and that's the focus of this coming section. So, with that highlight, let's go to Witness Lee. God strengthens our driving out of the pagans. Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters. I just love it. In Romans 8, nearly God doesn't do anything. It's altogether our doing, not God doing. You may say, does not Romans 8 say that God shall also give life to our mortal body? Yes, it says so. But it depends upon whether you would put the practices of your body to death or not. When you would put the practices of your body to death, you take the initiative. Then God honors you to give life. We have to walk according to the Spirit. We have to mind the things of the Spirit. That is to side our mind upon the Spirit. And we have to put the practices of body to death. And we have to be led. We have to take initiative in every aspect then God will come in to honor us. Here, you have the promise that God would drive out the pagans. But Israel had to take initiative to drive the pagans out. And their being able to take the initiative depends upon their growth. He is waiting for our cooperation. Are you ready to cooperate with him? Do you cooperate with him? If you have these two answers, okay, you are ready. Then you have to take the initiative. Then God honors. We must realize 
we are having a living one with us. A living person with us. Not a doctrine. Not just a Bible. But a living person. And we have to realize God has promised that he is working for us. Yet, we have to realize we must grow. If we don't grow, we have no replacement. We must have the increase of Christ that we could have a replacement. It is the same in the New Testament. Philippians 2. God operates in you. On one hand. On the other hand, work out your own salvation. Are these two things? No, there are not two things. There are one business of two partners. You as the other partner, you must work out your salvation. Then God as the first partner will operate in you. And he will honor your working out. Then salvation is experienced by you. It is by this way, not just by prayer, not just by waiting for something. The big way is that Christ is here, God has promised, and you have to grow. You have to get the increase of Christ to become the replacement. Then you take the initiative, then God honors you. You check with your own experience, and you check with the New Testament teaching, you could see. It is exactly the same as what is portrayed here in this type. Ron, as we said, the normal stress in this ministry is on the side of what God wants to do in us and through us, as opposed to what we always try to do for Him. Today, however, we are seeing that there is another side to this coin, and that is by looking at the initiative that we must take for God to operate according to His promises in us. How are these two sides then reconciled? Chris, I don't know what your feeling is in raising this question, but this is a monumental theological question because behind it is the perennial issue of God's sovereignty and his absolute grace and his salvation and the matter of the human will. What is the status of the human will in relation to the sovereign grace of God? I frame my response by acknowledging the background for this unending discussion, but I don't presume in the little time and with the limited capacity that I have to address it. Let me be more practical. We need to cooperate. We are not pieces of wood that God just moves about at will, that we need to respond to him. We need to cooperate with him. So even when we receive the Lord, we cannot do this by an act of self-will. But eventually, we must respond. We must react. We must take some kind of action. We need to call. We need to believe. Granted, the capacity to do this comes by God's grace. But human beings must respond. Passivity is fatal to the Christian life. If we just lie around like the impotent man at the pool in John 5, nothing's going to happen. I think of a verse like Romans 8.13 where Paul says, if you, by the Spirit, put to death the practices of the body. Or that verse in Galatians 5, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. They have done it. They have done something. 
So the point we're making is that if we would progress, we need to not only respond, we need to take some positive action according to the divine revelation. When we do that, then the Spirit joins us in this action and supplies us with not mainly the power, but the life capacity to carry it out. So God's word is that you have to drive out the tribes, not sit around and wait for a miracle to come. You take an action to do it, but you take this action knowing you can't do it without God. But God won't do it until we take some action. So this is the point here. We need to cooperate and at the appropriate time, supplied by God's grace, we need to initiate some action in our going on with the Lord. Well, let's pick up this matter of being supplied by God's grace since you just uttered it. In verse 23, chapter 23, which we're going to look at in this coming section, there's a marvelous promise that if the people will heed the Lord's word and his command, he will bless them with a full provision of bread and water. And you shall serve Jehovah your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. This is the focus of our final and very short segment today. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Then we come to the very, very practical point, that is God's complete care. Here, God promised that he would bless his people's food and his people's drink. We know this. Without food and drink, how could the people live there? Then there's no possibility for them to possess the land. Today the same. If we don't have the proper food, the proper drink for our Christian life, we cannot live. Then how could we enjoy and experience Christ, gain him and take possession of him? Impossible. What is the food? What is the drink? I must tell you, food is the word. Drink is the spirit of the living word, the rich word, and also the spirit. Hallelujah. The spirit. Without the blessed word, and without the blessed spirit, the Lord is not there. How could we take possession of Christ? How could we experience Christ, enjoy him, even that we can grasp him, obtain him to the uttermost? How could this be? By having the blessed word and the blessed spirit. Hallelujah. We do have the word and the spirit as our food and as our drink. Hallelujah. This is a good sign of God's good care. Well, Ron, to some extent, the pendulum swings again in this section. Back now to God on his side and his promise. I like this. He promises to provide us with the blessed word and the blessed spirit for us to eat and drink. Simply, Ron, we have to be nourished inwardly to have any possibility of occupying the land and dispossessing these pagan tribes. We really have to take advantage of the supply, don't we? It's absolutely necessary. Otherwise, in principle, it's Satan trying to cast out Satan. We, by ourselves, are trying to deal with ourselves. That's vain. We need to be reminded that the tribes are driven out according to the increase of Israel. This means that the more we grow in the Lord, the more the natural life 
is dealt with. How can we grow in the Lord if we're not nourished? That we need nourishment desperately. We don't need some kind of formal devotional time. We need to feed on the Lord through his word. We need to drink of the Lord through his spirit. And not only do we need this kind of eating and drinking, we need the Lord to add his blessing to our eating and drinking. The Lord knows that although we need to take action, we can't do it by our natural life. We need another life, the life of God supplied to us as bread, the word, and water, the spirit, under the Lord's blessing. Actually, our first objective day by day should not be to drive out any tribes. It should be to be nourished with the word and the water of the Spirit and grow. Then as we grow, we will be empowered by the grace of God and enabled by the life and Spirit of God to deal with the natural life for the purpose of gaining the all-inclusive Christ. We need to be nourished. And the God who nourishes us is the God who blesses us. Well, that does wrap it up. We're out of time for today. I want to thank Ron Kangas again for a very, very enjoyable and enlightening and helpful fellowship. Thank you again, Ron. You're welcome. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.